Well, good morning. It's good to see you here today. Glad you got your clock set right and you're here on time this morning and we welcome you. I want to, I'm sharing a series of sermons from the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 and we're learning how we're supposed to live as followers of Jesus and we're learning that we have to live differently in order to be like the Father we have to sometimes be different from the accepted patterns of behavior. And today, we're going to talk about a different view of money, that uh, following Jesus affects every area of our life, including our view of material possessions or finances. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, just to remind you of the overview, the first half of the chapter is about church life. We spent two weeks on that. Now the second half of the chapter, we'll spend two weeks on work life. So it's the spiritual realm and the material realm. And the point is that all of life is under the lordship of Christ when you become a follower of Jesus. God cares about all of your life. He has a plan for all of your life. He wants to guide and bless all of your life. So church life, the spiritual, we looked at prayer and fasting and giving. And now we're going to look at jobs and possessions and money and worry and things like that, and all of it, God has a plan for it in your life. So, if we're a follower of Jesus, what should be our attitude and practice in regard to money and material possessions? Well, let's look at the Word of God, see what Jesus says, beginning in Matthew six nineteen. And the first thing that Jesus says to us is that you need to shift your investments from earth to heaven. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus... You need to shift your investments from earth to heaven. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus says that anything on earth is not a safe investment. Any investment on earth is risky. Because in, his, in their culture, moths would eat up your clothing, garments were a, were a source of wealth, or vermin, and if you got the King James Version, it says rust, the word is literally eating, and so you can translate it the eating away of corrosive rust, or the eating away of mice who would eat up your stores of grain, but the eating, the vermin, something eats it up, and thieves can break in and steal it. In our culture, it, it would be saying that any earthly investment, the stock market can crash, the real estate bubble can break, none of your investments are safe because even if they're guarded by our government and you live as long as you will, you know what you're going to take with you when you die? Nothing. And so all investments on earth are ultimately risky. Not a wise investment, Jesus says, but instead, verse 20, but... Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And he says that if you invest in heaven, shift your investments from earth to heaven, it's a safe investment. It's a good return on your investment. He says there moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, if you go to another country, as you enter that country that has a different currency before you go in, it's wise to exchange your money 
your dollars for whatever their standard is. Well, Jesus is saying you're going to heaven, so exchange your money for a different investment. Shift your investment. Now, how would you do that? What is Jesus talking about? How, what does that mean? I think there are two primary ways that the Bible talks about where you can store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. The first one is that, that you store up treasures in heaven by giving to kingdom work. By the, through the church and the purposes of God, your giving stores up for you kingdom in heaven. See, Jesus talks a lot in this passage about, in this whole sermon about reward. He says there are rewards in heaven and that you can gain rewards in heaven. Now, heaven itself is a pure gift bought by the blood of Jesus. You don't earn your way into heaven. But you can invest your life. What you do today matters, and you can invest in earth or invest in heaven. So one way that you invest in heaven is by you advance the kingdom and people are there. Let me show you a verse. I don't think I have it on the slides, guys, so don't, don't worry about this. I think I added it later. But let me read it to you. Just listen to it. Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 9. This is Jesus saying, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. When you give to kingdom work, I think there are going to be people who are there to meet you in heaven and welcome you and thank you that because of your giving and investment in my preaching in missionaries, in vacation Bible school, in student ministry. There are going to be people in heaven who meet you and thank you because you made it possible for them to be there. And God's going to bless you through that. I think the second way that you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, besides investing in kingdom work and giving to the church and to ministries, is by helping the poor and needy. As you give to those who are poor, you assist those who are poor, then you are laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Proverbs says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. And so the Lord pays back his debts that you've given to the poor. Uh, Cindy and I, like many of, of you in this church, we sponsor a child through Compassion International. It costs $38 a month to help a child have food and education and hear about Jesus. Ours is in Indonesia. And you know, uh, there's a time or so last month when I went out to eat and Cindy and I spent $38. And you know, when I get to heaven, which of, that, which of those investments you think is going to be pay off? Which am I going to be most grateful for? Somebody's compared it to ta tax season. You know, tax season is coming. Throughout the year, you have bills, medical bills, other kinds of bills, or you give and you sort of, oh, it's, you, you don't like it when you give. And then at tax season, it's upside down because then you get to count all those deductions. Then you're looking for more. Oh, here's where we had a big medical bill. Oh, that's good. Well, you write that off. Oh, you know, you know it's a reversal, isn't it? You, don't you wonder if Judgment Day, heaven's not going to be like that? And now you say, oh, I give to this, and I give to that. And you get there. Oh, I wish I'd have given more because it's a whole lot of reward there. You see? It turns life upside down. Now, let's think about this. Is this saying, let, don't store up treasures on earth? Is that saying that it's wrong for Christians to have a 401k or to be saving to buy a new car or to be saving for your kid's college 
uh, tuition or, or other kind? Is it wrong to save and to build up a bank account? Is that what Jesus is saying? No, that's not. Because let me show you a couple of places in Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot of money wisdom. I teach a CD class on money, and we go through all these. But let me just share with you a couple of uh, verses from Proverbs. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. So Proverbs says that it is foolish to spend everything you make. Proverbs says it is wise to have an emergency fund, to have olive oil, which was a commodity easily traded then and could be sold. So it's wise to store up choice food foods, and olive oil. And so the Bible says it is wise to have an emergency fund. Financial investors will tell you, you get $1,000 in the bank before you do anything else. Otherwise, you're living on the edge. And then you work toward making minimum payments so that you get to three to six months of living expenses. So you figure out what your rent or your house payment, your electrical payment, your car payment, your groceries, the things that you have to make may not be all that you're spending now, but three to six months of your essential expenses You need that emergency fund. That's what Proverbs is saying. Let me show you another verse in Proverbs about this. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24 and 25. Four things on earth are small, yet they're extremely wise. We'll just talk about the first one. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. God says he built wisdom into ants and you could learn from them because they look ahead to the future and they store for the future. Retirement, college, uh, buying a home, buying a car, it's wise to store up for the future. So both of these verses in Proverbs have said store up, store up on earth and now Jesus is saying don't store up on earth, what's the deal here? Well, The wisdom of Proverbs puts you in a position to invest in the kingdom and to give to the poor. There's no contradiction. It's right for Christians to be wise. It's right to have an emergency fund. It's right to have a purpose for saving. But then comes the question, how much is enough? And when does our saving become hoarding? And when does our money become a source of security that ought to be in God instead of in our money? And so what Jesus is saying is that your your priority ought to be a greater investment. Let me give you just a couple of examples of this. I'll give you two examples, one from the past, one from the present. John Wesley, founder of uh, Methodism, Methodist Church, was a professor at one point at, at Oxford University in England. And one night in the winter when it was cold, the... Uh, housekeeper, the cleaning lady, came to clean uh, his apartment, and she didn't have a coat on, and it was freezing cold, had only on a thin linen shirt, and he reached in his coat pocket to help her, to give her some money so she could buy a winter coat, and he had just bought pictures for his apartment, and he didn't have any money to give her. And his conscience smote him, and he said, Oh, God, would you say good and faithful servant when I've spent on my luxury and not on her necessity? And he determined to simplify his life, to limit his expenses, so that, not to be a miser or not to, be, to hoard, but so that he could give. 
He made, of course they had pounds instead of money as their unit of currency, he made 30 pounds that year and he was spending 28 and giving two. He determined he was going to keep his standard of living at the same and give whatever God blessed him with. The next year he was a writer, wrote books, they were becoming popular in England. His income went from 30 pounds to 60 pounds, but he lived on 28 and gave 32. The following year it doubled to 120. He still lived on 28 and gave the rest. His income progressed in just a few years to 1,400 pounds a year. John Wesley still living on 28 pounds a year. And John Wesley said his philosophy of money was, make all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Pretty good philosophy of money that I think what Jesus is telling us here. Randy Alcorn says, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Let me tell you a modern example. Tom Monahan founded Domino's Pizza. Domino's Pizza was one of the first pizza delivery companies. And so at one point, 54% of all pizzas delivered in the United States came from Domino's. And Tom Monahan got rich. And he had collections of antique cars and he had all kind of collectibles. He got into collecting everything. He even bought the Detroit Tigers baseball team. You like baseball? So he bought his own team, you know, uh, had the Detroit Tigers. And then Tom Monahan was reading Mere Christianity. And he came to the passage on pride, and it hit him right behind between the eyes. And he thought, I am the most prideful person. This is me. And he recommitted his life to Jesus Christ. And he said, my goal is to help as many people as possible get to heaven. Became his life's goal. Sold the Detroit Tigers, sold Domino's, began to give everything that he made to helping people get to heaven. You probably don't make as much as Tom Moynihan, but what if you had that philosophy of your material possessions? What if you had the philosophy of John Wesley? Could we come closer to what Jesus said when he said, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Follow Jesus. He says you have a different view of money. Now, he gives us three principles that tell us why this is important in your life. Let me share them with you. First of all, it's important because your heart will follow your investment strategy. Your heart, the core of your spiritual personality, will follow your investment strategy. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you hear it? He's saying whatever you invest in, that's where your your heart is going to be. I've heard people quote this verse the opposite way. Well, you know, Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Sounds good, you know, that your treasure follows your heart. If I like something, my treasure. That's pretty good, but Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, "You, you want your heart somewhere? You put your treasure there, and your heart will follow your treasure. Well, now that makes sense, doesn't it? If you want to care about something, you put some money in it, and then you'll care about it. Snapchat had their IPO a week and a half ago, initial public offering, where they sold stock. I don't know what it's done since then. You know why I don't know? 
because I didn't buy any, so I haven't kept up with it. But I bet if some of you bought some, I bet you know what it's done because where your treasure is, there will your interest, your heart, your priority be also. So you want a heart for God? Then you invest in God's kingdom. He's telling you why to lay up treasures in heaven because it's going to channel your heart. You want your heart that turns to money? Then, then you invest in the things of this world. He says, your heart will follow your treasure. Want a heart for God? Invest in God's work. The second principle that he gives about why we lay up treasures in heaven is that your outlook on money will affect your whole spiritual life. That's what Jesus says, that money is very spiritual. Your outlook on money will color your whole spiritual life. Based in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy... Your whole body will be full of light. So he's sort of the idea of light enters your body through your eyes, right? That's how you see. Your eyes are like the window to your body, to your soul. So if your eyes are good or healthy, then your whole body is going to be healthy. But if your eyes are evil, the next verse says, let me read to you verse 23, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And if you have the NIV, you see a footnote for that healthy and unhealthy is greedy or generous because it's talking in the context of money. If you're not getting this, what we're talking about here, let me give you a great theologian, image of a great theologian who will help you to understand that. His name is Daffy Duck. Let's put a, a sign up there. In the cartoons, they capture the spirit of this verse exactly. You know how? Because they put, when you're, when you're looking at something, they put dollar signs in your eyes, right? If you've got dollar signs in your eyes, then that's going to color the whole uh, outlook and direction of your body. And, and so that's, that's exactly what this is saying. Let me give you one more in case you're not old enough to know Looney Tunes. I got another one? Do I have another? Yeah. So I'm not even sure who this is. Some of you will know. But uh, you got, so you got dollars. You see the, the view there? How are you looking at the world? What if you have a cross in your eyes instead of a dollar sign in your eyes? Then you're looking at the world through the perspective of Jesus. Your outlook. Money's very spiritual is what he's saying here. And that money, your money attitude is really a test of where you are spiritually. Because it's a concrete, tangible thing. And so if your whole view is life to, is to make money, acquire money, then, then that's where your heart's going to be, and that's where the whole direction of your life's going to be. There's a third principle here, and that is that God and money cannot both be first in your life. Only one thing can be first, right? That makes sense, doesn't it? And God and money cannot both be first in your life. One of them is going to outrank the other. One of them is going to be subservient to the other in the way you look at life. And so Jesus says, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve both God and money. The implication is that you're going to serve whatever you give priority to, doesn't it? You're, we, we think we're free and independent, but really we're going to be enslaved to something. 
And so your choice is to be enslaved to God or enslaved to money. You, you can't have both of them first in your life. One of them will outrank the other. And so when we're talking about following Jesus, talking about the lordship of Jesus, it means that all of my life is to come under his lordship. If I follow him, he's lord of all. And so everything ranks below him. I don't know where you are with your money today. Some of you may be worried and really stressed. Biggest, one of the top three biggest stresses on families is money. You may be really stressed right now. You may be out of a job. Maybe you're having trouble making ends meet. Maybe you're fighting with your spouse. There's tension. One of the top sources of tension in a marriage is about uh, money. Maybe you really got the dollar signs in your eyes and, and you're, you're just driven. Maybe you're totally this world oriented in all of your finances and in your saving and investing. Wherever you are, the first step in good money management, the first step in being debt free, the first step in prosperity, the first step in doing the right is to say, God, you'll outright my money. Won't you say today, God, all my life's under your lordship. You know what that'll mean? That will mean that everything in relation to your money aims to please the Father and bring glory to Jesus. So it means the way that you make your money is going to be honest. I'm not going to cheat my customers. I'm not going to I'm not going to in any way be dishonorable in the way I make my money. It means that I'm going to have a priority to give and to lay up treasures in heaven. That I'm not going to spend it all on me. It's not all about me. It's about Him. And it means the part that I don't spend, that I'm legitimately setting aside for an emergency fund or for college or to buy a car or to remodel our house or to retire. But all of that is still under His Lordship. And I'm going to honor Him with it. And, and, that, and that my money is at his disposal. If he says I ought to do something, I'm going to do it because all my life is under his lordship. And it means that the priority and the focus and the light coming through my eyes will be kingdom-centered. That my greatest goal is not to amass something on this earth, but my greatest goal is to first of all glorify God and in the process lay up treasures in heaven. What's he saying to you about your money today? We're going to follow Jesus. We've got to be different. You may be saying, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have much money. I'm a teenager. I'm a college student working at McDonald's. I don't, this doesn't apply to me. Oh, you get your heart right now. It's about your attitude, not about the size of your bank account. And you, can, you can be consumed with greed making minimum wage, or you can be consumed with greed as a millionaire. So what you want to do right now is lay that foundation for your heart. That God, you're first. I'm going to be wise, and I'm going to be prudent, and I'm going to honor you. You get that attitude right in your money. That's the first step. More important than any 
class or seminar you can go to or any of the details that you can work out. Those are good and important. But the first thing, say, God, money's not going to divide my family, my marriage. It's not going to drive my life. You're going to drive my life because I can only serve one thing first, and I put you first in my life. Let's pray together. Oh, God, we surrender our lives to you. You are a good master. You're the only good master and Lord. And right now, we're surrendering money, and that's a very emotional and tangible thing, and we come from all different perspectives. But right now, we're saying, Lord, nothing will be above my loyalty to you. I want my heart to be for you, so I put my treasure to follow you. I want to change my investment strategy. I want to lay up treasures in heaven. I want to receive that eternal welcome that says, thank God that you gave that I could be here. Oh, Lord, as you speak to your people about our material possessions in our lives, may everything be laid at your feet today. I pray, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand together with me? I want to give you an opportunity to be a follower of Jesus. I hope you hear that it's not going to be just a casual thing, not going to be a side thing that you add on to your life. It's going to be big. It's going to be that all of your life comes under his lordship. But it is the life that ends in eternal life and blessing, treasure in heaven. It is worth surrendering anything to him. Maybe today you're ready to say, Jesus, I surrender not just my money to you, I surrender my life, my soul, my heart to you. And I want to be your follower. I'll be baptized in your name. And I'll seek to live the different life that you call me to live. So would you walk forward while we're singing, meet me or another pastor here. We'd rejoice with you. Maybe you need a church home, need a little support. You should try to live the different life. That's why God put us in church families. And you need to be in a church family. If you don't have one, we'd like to be yours. You could come and join this church family. Maybe you need to pray with somebody about a specific struggle in your life. Somebody will be here to do that with you. Let's sing together.